Hello and welcome to the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast series. I'm your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature, and in this podcast I interview leaders from different organisations and industries to find out more about the challenges they face in leading through uncertainty and how they overcome them. This week I'm talking to Colin Smith, aka The Listener. Colin specialises in teaching people to listen. Now you might think you're already a good listener and you might dismiss this if you don't listen to what Colin has to say about listening. He explains that we're taught at a young age to communicate through the forms of reading, writing and speaking, which are all ways that allow us to express ourselves. But we're rarely taught to listen, which is an essential skill for understanding and relating to the other person who's doing the expressing. That fascinated me. Learning to listen shifts the communication from self-expression to two-way dialogue. I'd never thought of it in that way before. Have a listen. Hello, Colin. Hi. Thank you for joining me today. Pleasure. Um, can you explain who you are and what you do? It's always a good question. <laughs> um, usually when I'm asked that question, I get the opportunity either to tell a story or I tell people that I'm known as the listener. <laughs> And that usually gets two, two responses. One, they either um, look at me quizzically and say, the listener, or they laugh and put their hand beside their ear as if they're mistaking me for not hearing. So they go, okay, the listener, so what's, what's that about? And they, as you start to explain it, the question I usually ask them is, when was the last time you felt really hurt? Mm. And I go, but surely listening and hearing, everyone, everyone listens, don't they? And you say, well, actually, unless you're audibly impaired, everyone can hear, but most people rarely listen. And they go, well, what's the difference? And I likened it to a situation. So if you sit down and you listen to a piece of music and you just listen to it, if I say to you, listen to the same piece of music, but just focus on, let's say, the, the guitar or the voice, or listen to it again, and then you listen to it two or three times like that, and then listen to it again, and let it wash through you. And they go, oh. So there really is a difference between listening and, and hearing. Yeah. And that's the biggest challenge. Because if I say to people in a room, 100 people in a room, how many of you believe you are better than average listeners? Most people put their hands up, <laughs> yeah. right? And you then say, okay, so those of you who got your hands up, keep them up. If somebody has said to you in the last week or two, thank you for listening, most people put their hands down because we don't. We hear everything but we, because it's, it's active. Mm. Whereas listening, sorry, it's passive. Whereas listening is active. You have to intend to listen. So... I've arrived at listening through a whole series of different things and it'd be you know, beyond the, the, the podcast to go through that. But I've arrived at it and realising that it's something that we all are crying out for. I would actually say we're dying to be heard, mm. both literally and figuratively. You look at the, the rise in loneliness, you look at the amount of um, suicides, the growth in suicides that, that are going on. Um, I also think there's a real connection between um, not being heard and addiction. And addictions are constantly trying to fill the hole inside 
and there's never going to be enough. Whereas I think that enabling someone to feel heard, to feel seen, to feel heard, is something that we don't have. We don't have enough of it. And the more and more um, we embrace technology, which, don't get me wrong, I think is really valuable, but for me, the same technology that enables us to connect to those far away is the same technology that's stopping us connecting to those close by. Yeah, and it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you know, I, I talk in my book about um, how technology can enable us to connect and also <coughs> cause us to disconnect. So is listening about connection? I think the part of the work I do, I call it the, the relationship journey and it embraces what we touched on earlier about psychological safety. But in terms of um, connection, the first thing in order to connect with someone is about the, the sort of just the connecting first of all physically. You know, I'm, I can see you or I can, I can connect with you on the phone. But actually, if I spend time listening to you, not just hearing you, then we start that relationship. Mm. The more I listen to you, the more I start to understand who you are, what's going on for you. And you get that I understand you. We start to relax. You notice, I notice people's shoulders start to drop. Actually, this is feeling safe. Now, for me, there has to be, a, there's a strong intention. So it's a good intention that I'm not seeking to get something from the other person. I think that's important, isn't it? Because quite often we listen or we think we're listening to gather information and facts and figures. Yeah. And, and we need to be able to do that, Agreed. of course. Yes. But, it, but what I'm hearing from you is it's about taking that to a deeper level, to really starting to understand what's, what's behind the words, what, what's the essence of that person. Yes. Because actually we're all human beings at the heart of it. Yeah. Whatever our job is. Yes. I mean, I, I, I give an example of, um, I remember an example with my, um, my partner at the time, and she accused me of, she said, you're just not listening. And I thought, hmm, maybe she's got a point. So I thought, right, next time, I am going to listen. So she said what she had to say, and she said, you're still not listening. And I went, ha ha, I gotcha. I am. Right, this is what you said. <laughs> And I was able to tell her exactly what she said. And she just looked at me with a sort of blank face and just said, you're still not listening. And it was like, hang on a minute, what is going on? I'd heard every word she'd said, mm -hmm. but I hadn't listened to her. What's behind the words that she's saying? What is the, did I, do I notice anything in her eyes? Do I notice anything about her body language? Do I get a sense in my, in my being that something's not right? Am I denying all of those things? Mm. Once I started to see that, I could go, oh my God, I'm only hearing her. I'm mm. not listening to what she says. So when she said, and I might say something like, um, well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna help and she goes, oh, that's great, have a great time. If I really listen, I'm really here, what I'm really hearing behind the words is, I'd rather you were here just to talk. Mm. I don't mean that, that I'm saying the words, but I don't actually mm. mean. So do you think that in organisations people are doing that all of the time? I mean, you, you know, you said that the average person is not, is not a good listener and I, you know, I, I, I concur with that. Do you think that there's a role for 
listening at a deeper level to each other in organisations. Given that we've got these fast-paced working environments and we've got a job to do and we've got stuff to get done, yeah. um, is, it, is it important? I think it's more important than it's ever been, mm. in my opinion. Um, I'm very familiar with the, the work of Nancy Klein, uh, Time to Think, and a lot of that is at the heart of it is about listening. It's about creating that space for people to feel safe, to uh, be able to share what's going on for mm. them. Um, Google did a recent, uh, recently announced a survey they'd done on the, the, the way their projects have been, those successful projects and what was the factors. And you would have thought it was about the, the quality of the people, or the experience of the people on the projects. The number one factor in it was psychological safety. Mm -hmm. So that people felt safe enough to come to work and show up fully with all of the stuff that's going on. Almost the point of saying, so how are you arriving today? That's really valuable because then we get a clue. Part of Nancy Klein's work in, when she's working in, uh, in meetings, and you see this uh, a lot, is that the, a lot of the meetings are spent listening to someone telling their stuff, which could have been given to everyone in a report or in, a, in slides, that we, we should own watching before. I think the the question, the agenda should be questions, because as she says, the mind responds much better to a question. So if the agenda's a week earlier, early with all of the reports that need to be read, the onus is on the individual to read the reports, but also the moment they read the agenda, that question is in their head. So mm -hmm. they're starting to process that. When you have the meeting, um, and as, you, as I talk about it, you're going to go, this is going to take a lot of time. But the reality is that if you've done it in the right way, you won't have the repercussions a week, two weeks, three weeks later when somebody says, hang on, where, where did we make this decision? Mm. And we said, actually, we made it in the meeting that you were at, mm. but you were not listening. Mm. You were not paying attention. Mm. So very simply, the way she would work is that in the round, she said, you don't belong to a meeting until you've actually spoken. So my question is, how many meetings do you go to? And it might be 30 minutes before you've even spoken a word. So she offers people an opportunity in the round to share something. It doesn't matter, it might be about the project, it might be home, how they're arriving. So they're in the meeting. She um, asks people the question, and so she facilitates going around. Everyone gets the chance to speak. And the joy of it is, and the deal, is that the person speaking gets the opportunity to speak and knows they're not going to be interrupted by someone else. Secondly, the deal is that they have to be precise and concise about what they're going to say. Mm. Because if you do that, then we will listen to you. It also means that everyone in the, in the, in the circle or the, the, the boardroom or whatever knows that their time will come. Mm. So they don't need to interrupt. And when it, when it does come to their turn, they have themselves time to think. So if I go away and think and I stop and pause while I'm thinking, there's an opportunity then for the real good stuff to come through rather than just the stuff that's at the forefront of my mind and that I'm going to get out quickly because I know that somebody's going to interrupt me. If I, do, if, I don't, uh, if I don't stop, if I, sorry, if I stop and draw a breath, somebody will interrupt me and take the conversation somewhere else. Mm. And for a lot of us, you go, what's the point? Mm. There's no point in me bringing my stuff here because nobody's going to listen. Mm. So I think, yes, it's more and more important than it's ever been. 
And I think, you know, we've all sat in meetings that have gone round and round where the same people say the same stuff and the, the same people don't speak up when yeah. they've got something to say. And um, do you think that people are more likely to speak up um, and be more authentic if they are going to be listened to? Without question. Without question. The, what, what's weird is that when you suddenly realise that people are listening to you, they're not interrupting, they're looking at you, they, they look curious about what I'm about to say, I start to relax. And when I start to relax, so I move from a fight or flight position, which where thinking doesn't happen, mm-hmm. to one which is much more relaxed and open and creative mm-hmm. and innovative. And start, some start, things start to flow. Mm-hmm. If you have, um, I do an exercise where I get people to listen, look as though they're listening first off and then gradually stop. So they start to look at their watch, they, they disconnect, they close body language, they look away, they stop being interested. And when I ask people what it's like for the speaker, they say, I start to feel stupid as though I've, I've suddenly lost my ability to think. Mm. because I'm worried as the speaker I'm worried about why they stop listening to me mm. and we automatically take it on ourselves so I think for me listening well, that sort of part of it creates far more innovation and creativity mm. than people just not being interested and not listening which is why even though it may appear to take a little bit more time I think it's much more efficient way to run meetings so um why do you think it is that we're not good at listening? My first thought is we're, we're not taught for it. Mm. So if you look at the four uh, ways of communicating, sort of reading, writing, uh, speaking and listening, the, the one we do, we'd have to do more of, which is listening, we are trained little or none, none or little, um, from an educational point of view. You don't go, don't to see many um, listening classes, right? <laughs> but, you know, you think about how much work you did in terms of reading at school, writing. writing at school, yeah. and speaking. And, you know, so it's about, you know, we're always going on public speaking courses and things like that. And yet, it's interesting, you never hear someone say, oh, I really don't like that person, he listens too much. <laughs> Right? Whereas the opposite is true. That person just talks too much. Yeah. Yeah? So I think that's a, that's a factor. Also, we seem to be rewarded for speaking far more. So the person in the meeting or the person in the meeting who do all the speaking seem to do much better. Wow. Right? Whereas actually the person who listens the most actually has far more control. And because this is obviously my, my area... I see a lot of the articles in the, the various magazines like Inc, Entrepreneur, Wired, etc., etc., Harvard, um, Harvard Business Review, Washington Post, etc., who all talk about um, listening as the, the number one skill that leaders need. Tom Peters, I mean, I'm showing my age here, um, he was a, 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 and still is a prolific writer, writer mm-hmm. but his original book was one he co-wrote called In Search of Excellence. And... He said that if he was to run an MBA, the first six months of that MBA would be about listening, strategic listening for every single person in the organization. Mm. And if we could capture that, you know, 
What, what, you know, look at customer service or poor customer service. We don't listen to the customer. Mm. If we spent time listening to them, then actually we'd learn a lot mm. and we might actually solve their problems. If we could, because again, it's often the words they use is one thing, but what's underneath the words? How are they really feeling? And um, I think it was Avis, if I'm right, this goes back a few years, they they were responding to a, a competitor's um, response. Well, if the customer has a problem, you give them £10. So they tried it. Uh, they, they implemented it as well. And the feedback they got from their front agents was, this is not working. Because the people typically we work with are business people, so it's expensed. So 10 quid is neither here nor there. Mm. They want the, solve, the problem solved. Mm. So if I can listen to them and understand what the problem is, I can solve their problem. Mm. And therefore, as a result of that, I'd like to get more loyalty. And it's not that they expect um, us to not get it wrong, but it's how do we respond when we do get it wrong mm. is what matters. Mm. It's interesting because, you know, one of the, um, you know, in my days in, in IBM, and, and particularly in the early days, actually, I remember the, the head of the, um, the business unit I was in was renowned for being somebody that he sits in the meeting and he doesn't say very much, but when he does, everybody sits up and listens. Right. And, uh, and I remember always being really fascinated by that because, um, you know, as, as a child growing up, my, my sister, who's two years older than me, she was the quiet one and I was the, the one that talked a lot and I was the extrovert. And, um, but it always was very apparent to me and still is that, you know, we've, we've balanced out each other. She's a lot more extrovert and I'm, I'm a, I'm hopefully a better listener than, than I was when I was a child. But, um, she, whenever she speaks, I hang on every word because she's always got something of value to say. So I, I wonder if, with the listening comes a better quality of speaking. I think there's, I think speaking is a factor, but I think what comes underneath that, as well as that, is is wisdom. Mm. So for how many how many leaders or managers go into a meeting and say, um, I've I've decided this, these are my thoughts, and so they share their thoughts, and then they say, what do you guys think? Now. In, in the right environment, you're going to get different answers. But in a lot of it, it's like, well, actually, it's obviously been done. So why don't turn it around the other way? And so he said, right, this is the problem we've got, guys and girls. Um, what do you think? Well, maybe the first answer that we give to anyone who comes to us with a problem is, hmm, interesting question, what do you think? Mm. And then listen mm. to them and give them the space and the time to let them really think about what the answer might be. Mm. Now, sure, there's no problem in trying to help, but um, the more we can keep asking the questions and wonder what they might say, we might well be surprised by the answer. So even though we may know at, at the beginning what we think the, the answer really is, we may be surprised, pleasantly surprised, when they go away with an answer that was completely different to what you thought it was going to be. Mm. And the joy of that is that they own that answer. Mm. It's not your answer. Mm. Mm. It appears that you're doing nothing, but actually you're doing a lot. Mm. Um, interestingly, um, there was research in the States done with um, doctors, and they said that doctors, they, they analyzed them, and 
this is for patients coming to the doctor with their first a new condition that three out of four doctors interrupt the patient before they finish speaking and on on average they do that within 18 seconds wow so Imagine the situation you've turned up, you're, you're in full flow of telling the doctor what my condition, your condition is, and it just puts out, okay, yeah, I've got it, and gives you a prescription. So what emotional connection are you going to have to the quality of his prescription? Because how can he know that? Because actually I've not told him everything. It leads a little bit to what, what I call the at-the-door moment. When they get to the door, they go, oh, there's just one other thing I, I meant to mention, which could actually change the whole, mm. the whole thing. So are we 18-second doctors? Sure. What about 18-second parents? 18-second leaders? 18-second mothers, fathers, brothers, whatever? Do we interrupt people too quickly? Because when I do the exercise with interrupting, and I say, what was it like to be interrupted? They say, it's rude. And you go, yes, it bloody well is rude. Right? But why do we do it all the time? So, yeah. Interesting. And then um, thinking about listening in terms of uncertainty, how do you think being better listeners can help us when we're leading through uncertainty? I think with, I mean, uncertainty is we're, we're, we're living more in a world which is, I mean, it's always been uncertain for sure, but I think even more each day it's more and more uncertain. I think listening gives us the chance to understand much more of what is going on. Um, Often when you hear from the people who are operating at the front line, it's very different from the data that you've been receiving from your immediate um, uh, uh, reportees. So the more we listen, the more we understand would enable us to make better decisions. So Mm -hmm. we're actually um, we're getting better data coming through. But also I think that when we're navigating ourselves through un, um, uncertain situations, we really want our people to be with us. Because if they're not, that's going to make it even harder to manage through that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. The fact that we spend time really listening to people enables them to feel part of, more and more part of the organisation. What's also true is that when people feel that way, they're more likely to do two things. One is to give um, discretionary effort. So they're going to be, they're not going to just finish work at at five o'clock. They're going to stay a bit longer or whatever the time is. And also somebody said they start to do your thinking for you. Mm. So you'll get, because, because you listen and prepare to listen and give them the environment that shows that you want to listen, they're going to come to you on the Monday morning. I was thinking over the weekend, or I was chatting to someone over the weekend about the problem that we we'd identified last week, and we'd come up. I've got come up with some answers, and the way you respond will ensure that happens again or never happens again. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, as part of the listening piece comes appreciation. And it's interesting because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, I bet everybody that's listening today is to this podcast is thinking I've got this cracked and it's back to what you said at the beginning which is you know 100 people will put their hand up and say yeah I'm a good listener and how how do we how do we reach people how do you reach people to improve the quality of listening because what I'm hearing is um I'm hearing lots of things but but one one thing that comes up is that 
employee engagement is really important right now and it's yeah. you know it's it's a challenge for organizations um people are wanting more purpose and meaning in their work um how do you how do you use listening to engage people and how do you help organizations understand that that's what's needed given that you know because there's a bit of me that's going oh yeah that's great but I could so easily go back to what I was doing before and and still not and still not be a good listener how how do you reach those people the 95 percent of us that need to do it mm. <laughs> um it's it's not an easy not an easy nut to crack I'll be honest um, the way I'm approaching it is one of um, running 90, 90 minute, uh, two hour events, bring people together and during that time show them that they are only hearing and they're not listening. Mm. And it's after that they go, oh my goodness, I had no idea. And where I was referencing the piece of music, it's one of the exercises I do, one person actually said to me, that was a completely different piece of music. The, the fifth, I think the fourth time I played it, he said it's a completely different piece of music. And I said, no, it's exactly the same. Mm. You were hearing it or listening to it in a very different way. Mm. So listening is intentional. So you have to intend to listen. Mm. Whereas we hear all the time. So if you and I were in a, in a crowded restaurant and somebody called your name out, you would hear it. You'd mm. turn around. I probably wouldn't have heard it. Mm. Because that, that my, your name is, is not one that's in my mind. Mm. They say it's when you go to a uh, hotel at night for the first time, you tend to not sleep particularly well because ah. your, your, your mind is, is active all the time, right. listening to, to what's going on. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it happens all the time. Um, so going back to the engagement piece, when I talked about the relationship journey, as we progress up that, so throughout it, it's positive intention to, to be there for the people and to listen with good intent. And all the time, trust is rising. Mm. And when you're in that space, which it becomes where actually there is a, a level of trust that's now developed, then the, the, the employees are more likely to listen to you. Mm. And all too often, I mean, salespeople are guilty of it, organizations are all individuals in organizations where They'll, they'll think about something, they'll ponder on it for a, lot, a number of weeks with the board, then they'll just announce it to people. And people are in shock and they go, well, hang on, why, they, why are they not seeing this as good? You know, it might be a merger or something like that. Whereas had you taken them on the journey and spent time listening to them and engaging with them and creating that safe space for them to come to you with their concerns mm. or to the managers with the concerns that it's mm. okay, mm. we understand that this is a difficult time. Mm then they can share that, get it off their chest, and then they feel part of it. And therefore, afterwards, you can then lead them in the direction. But people instinctively know when it's being done, they're being done to. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I often talk about, um, I often say to, to clients, are you doing relationship or are you being in relationship? relationship yeah. And I think listening's, listening's probably comes in the same category with that. Yes. What, one of the things that... Um, that I notice, and we've met quite a few times now, and I know you reasonably well. Um, I notice that when I'm in, I'm in a conversation with you, I very quickly drop my guard because I okay. know that 
that it comes without judgment. Yeah. That your listening comes without judgment, which allows me to very quickly drop my guard, and I'm probably more open and more honest with you than than I am with many other people. And I and I'm pretty open and honest yes, yes. and transparent person. But I really feel seen, heard, and understood at the kind of essence of who I am, without me needing to actually articulate it. Yeah. Um. So. So I get I get the value of it, and what I'm also aware of is that when I'm with you, I also pay more attention to the quality of my listening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because despite the fact that I've said I, I know that you're non-judgmental, I'm also paying attention to I need to listen properly because if I don't, then I'm not giving you the same quality yes. of relationship that you give that you give to me. Um, so my, my question is around the, the judgment piece, I guess, because uh, I, I imagine that part of the importance of the quality of the listening is the non-judgment piece. Can you say more about that, whether you think that is important or... Because I think part of my yes. opening up to you is because I notice that you're really listening and really hearing, but I, I also know that it comes from a place of non-judgment, whereas I think if the listening had a sense of judgment, I wouldn't then open up yeah. as much. Yeah. I, I think it is, I think it's a very good point you make, and I think it is very important. Um, it's, it's not an easy, it's not an easy ask. Mm. People suddenly just become non-judgmental and to say I'm 100% non-judgmental is just rubbish. I'm mm. human, yeah. right? So we have, we have a whole raft of different oh, biases. So you mean you're, you are judging me after all? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I've got some things I will tell you. Um, but, but it's about how do, we, how do we start to see past the, the, the front, the, all the things that we could be biased or against and see the person in front of us. Mm. And when you start to see the person in front of us, front of you then you see this fellow human being mm. that's walking the same journey as as we all are and and so there is a level of empathy a level of compassion for that person that makes it easy to not be judgmental I mean one of the exercises I was taught which is slightly weird but I, I often use it is that when I'm on the tube train and it might be quite busy and I notice someone, and I, I'm triggered by a judgment I make about that person. And it's like, hang on, I've noticed this. So what I then do is I just look at each person one by one and just bless them. I know it sounds quite soft and fluffy, but what it does is it, I look at each person and see the human being there. Mm. And therefore, it's a practice that I have, as in a practice, to... Uh, reduce my non-judge my judgment judgmentality because the moment we start to do that we start to shut down on that person mm. you know you're not this you're not that you're this or whatever um, you're different to me rather than valuing the difference because in organizations if we were to embrace and value the differences rather than trying to get everyone to be the same mm. then might be and we create a safe space then maybe we'd get so much more from our people and therefore be more effective, efficient, productive, whatever, that innovative, creative, than 
our comp- competition would be. Mm. And it's interesting because, you know, I often hear people say, I just want people to do what I need them to do. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and you know, what, what I heard you say was about having empathy and walking alongside each other, whereas I think there's a tendency that, you know, particularly in organisations where you've perhaps got conflicting or apparently competing objectives, ultimately they're not complete competing objectives because, you know, everybody in the organisation is working towards the same overall goal, but often at a, at a department level or a business unit level, there appears to be conflict. And yet what I'm hearing is that if we can actually switch from a, I need you to do what I need you to do, to how do we walk alongside each other with empathy? What a shift in the conversation yeah. that would be. Yeah. We're, we're all in this together. What, it's hard enough competing in the world mm. against competitors. Yeah. Rather than to compete against each other. For so, the same goal. For the same goals. Um, why aren't we on the same side? Mm. Uh, working together mm. collaboratively, being able to share with each other and that it's okay. And that whilst, you know, it used to be information is key. So the more information I can hold on to and restrict it gives me more power. Mm. But actually we can all find out so much more from the you know, technology mm. than, we, than we've ever had. Um, I have a sense that, I mean, this is a, a bigger, bigger conversation really, but I've got a sense that everything in the world is upside down. Right? that if we would turn it the other way up, things would be very different. But if I take it into organisations, all too often the person, the leader or the, the, the CEO is, sits at the top of the pyramid and everyone works for him or her. Whereas, where's the root, first of all, where's the room for the customer? Mm-hmm. So if you were to turn the pyramid upside down mm-hmm. and that each role of the, the person underneath is to support those above him mm-hmm. or her, Mm. Um, which leaves room for the customer at the top. Mm. So the most important people in an organisation are those that interface directly with the customer, mm. surely. And that each of the a friend of mine, he, he, he had a role as the IT director, and his every year he spoke to his people about defining his job. How can I support you better to do your job? Mm. And he said it was transformational. Mm. And his, the CEO called him in one day and he said, look, I, I need to know more about the way you work because it's proven to be very successful. And he explained it to her and she was just totally surprised. But actually, she changed the organisation to more, much more reflect that. Mm. And why wouldn't it be that way? Mm. Why is it about we serve, we're in it for ourselves rather than I'm in it as a, a manager or a leader for all of these other people? Mm. Because the more I can get them um, doing what they do best, I'm going to succeed mm. in spite of. So one final question for you, Colin. What's your, and it's a biggie, what's your hope for organisations and what's your hope for the world? Yeah, big question. <laughs> um, I think that even if we increase the amount we genuinely, deeply, empathically listen to each other, just by 10%, would make a noticeable, huge difference mm. in the world. Because I think we listed at a very, very low level. Mm. Um, I think it would, it would transform organisations. It's not going to happen. It would never happen overnight. Mm. This is a skill that you can learn. So it's not all the fluffy stuff. Mm. It is a skill that you can learn um, and get better at it. But it takes time like any new practice. 
um, you need to be able to uh, call someone out and say, hang on, it doesn't feel like you're listening. Have you got something else on your mind? And they might have. So I think it would transform organizations, it would transform relationships. My belief is that it would reduce the divorce rate in the world. I think it would reduce the amount of conflicts. How many times, I use a very simple example. <clears throat> on the floor is a number that from one side looks like a six. On the other side, it looks like a nine. Mm. And we sit opposite each other. And even though I know that the person sitting opposite me is an intelligent person, they're telling me that it's a six. <laughs> and I can see clearly it's nine. So you must, there must be something wrong with you, <laughs> right? Because it's clear to me that it's a six, and yet you're telling me it's a nine. Mm. So why don't I walk around mm. and sit with you and, and ask you, you seem like an intelligent man or lady, why do you see it as a nine mm. when I see it as a six? Mm. A, I would learn something from it, mm. and B, because I've listened to you, you're more likely to listen to me. Mm. And when you come around to my side, you go, oh my goodness, it's a six. I haven't seen that. So how can we work together to come up with something that's, that actually is um, much more meaningful and, and acceptable from mm. both sides? Mm. It's that sort of thing that, that goes on. I think it can, it can change divorce, I think it reduce loneliness, I, can, I think it would reduce addiction. I think it would reduce conflict. Mm. Sounds a little bit like, oh my goodness, too good to be true. But, you know, I've been in places where these are people I've, I've worked with who, this is, they also do listening for a living, yet they love and, and desire to be heard and seen as well. Mm. We're all the same. Mm. I see no difference. Mm. Well, Colin, I could listen to you all day, and I, I hope I didn't interrupt you too much today, but thank you ever so much for your no, time. Thank you, too. Amazing, isn't it, that we just don't spend enough time listening? I've met Colin a few times, and he is an incredible listener. When I'm with Colin, I always feel seen, heard, and understood, and as a result, it makes me much more open and transparent. I'm more likely to open up and tell him things that I wouldn't normally say. I know a lot of organisations like to think they have a culture of openness and transparency, but the reality is often very different, and the people who aren't open don't speak up about it. Now there's a thought. How might you open people up through better listening? That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature. Keep leading, and I'll come back soon with the next interview on Leading Through Uncertainty. Mm-hmm.